Yeah, so that, that's a really, really good point. By the way, welcome everybody to Design Kitchen where we're here to provide inspiration for innovation. Um, and right now we were just talking about the job market as um, you know, engineers, especially you know, some students that are coming out of school or maybe you know, a lot of people are having job transitions right now. And um, you know, so we were just talking about a scenario about how um, I guess some employees, or I, I guess, do you want to kick it off with your story first, or do you want me to kind of comment on my feedback, or, or you know, throw out? Yeah, so I was just talking about like I went to an interview and I was I was talking to a person. He was kind of like the guy who would would kind of make the decision that I would be working with him. But then the other, there were more executive, like management and executive roles in the room as well. So he was, um, they were less convinced that, and it was like the job description and then the, the questions they were asking didn't so much match. I think it seemed like maybe it was like a somewhat rushed to, to try to get this um, job, the position filled. I know they did actually end up having lots of applicants though, so. That's the, you know, lots of competition. Um, it's in a location where there's very few, very few engineering jobs. So mm -hmm. I don't know how much, how many, there, there probably aren't that many people that are looking for work, but it, when there's an opportunity that comes up, there's, there's very few. Yeah, see that, that's, cause that's one thing I've been noticing, um, especially in the last couple months, I have recruiters just literally you know reaching out reaching out and um you know one of the things was from the from the book you know disrupting you he talks about how now the job market is i'm not sure if it's in that book or if it was in one of the podcasts but he talks about how like the job market now it's so easy to just hire someone remote so so for example like you know if you wanted to move um you know, for myself, I've looked at a couple of jobs more in the sales side. So uh, a lot of them, they just require you to be within a certain distance of the airport. So I have like LAX, um, but basically there's no need for you to even go in. Everything's completely remote. And, um, but, you know, along with that, I've, I've had a, a job or, or two things, two things, actually. One of them, you know, I had a job interview before, um, where I basically, I jumped on, it was for like a regional sales manager position for, um, it was like electronic devices, right? But for the most part, it was mainly like a sales type of position, but I jumped in and the VP or manager, whatever he was, he started drilling me on all these like electrical highly like super technical electrical questions and I was like well my background is mechanical he's like well he started getting super super technical and and I was like you know like what are you what are you talking about that was not in the description um that had nothing to do with the with the job that I applied for and and then this guy just to add like insult to injury he's like like well sell me something you know like pick something from your, your desk around you and, and sell me something. And I'm like, what's wrong with this guy? I feel like 
and then this was like right before i guess more prior pre-covid type of thing where i feel a lot of these engineering jobs these managers they thought that they could kind of bully you and basically dangle this job in front of you um and i think that was the culture of of jobs back then i don't know if you ever noticed that in some of your careers and trying to look for employment yeah so and where they basically they just kind of hold it they know that they have something you want so they can kind of yeah i think it's fair that they that a um a recruiter or like an interviewer would would challenge a um a potential candidate because they want to see how that person responds and and like my experience in kind of a opinion even actually being on that interviewer side of it mm-hmm. is sometimes they'll ask questions that are more challenging than what they even expect you to know but they just want to see how you react so you might get like if if there was let's say hypothetically if there was some kind of a grade that they were going to give you at the end mm-hmm. based on the questions they ask you they might ask you questions where that are challenging enough that they only expect you to get maybe a 50% grade yeah right so um so that way they but they know they want to make sure that they're they understand where's your limit because if they ask you questions and you nail every single one of them they don't they haven't found your limit yet maybe if you answer and you nail every single question Mm -hmm. maybe you're overqualified they want to understand where you fall in that range and I like that would be kind of my how I would feel about that but Mm. yeah so because see i i i guess what i noticed you know with that guy for example um you know i got mad because he was trying to act a certain way and i'm like well you know i think your job description is completely wrong and you know you're not looking for the right kind of people you know and i i think like one 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 example of like I guess stepping out and starting my own company and like thinking like maybe if I have to go back to work, um, this whole like manager and hierarchy role kind of lost meaning to me where I'm just kind of coming in there like, oh, hey, what's up, buddy? You're like one of my regular friends, manager, sir. <laughs> I totally agree with that. And I think that's a good way to approach it. I Like for me, it, it I go in and I don't, I like to think anyway that I don't really get nervous around executives or um, people who are interviewing me and I'm just there and I know that I have my weaknesses when it comes to interviewing and I'm not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even, don't even claim to be good at being in like an interviewee, but um, it's, I know that, um, in the end, they're, they're just people, right? Everybody's just people. So I don't really care. Like, what's your title? What's your, what kind of initials you have after your name? Any of that kind of stuff? Like, I, I respect that, but I'm not intimidated by that. Exactly. And like, say, if I walk up to the president of some big company or president of the U.S., mm-hmm. I was, you know, if I get the opportunity where it's if the opportunity is presented to me, I'll walk up and shake their hand and, and not be like, oh, kind of like, oh, I should, you know, yeah, kind of be so yeah. intimidated. And it, it's, I don't think there's any reason to do that. I, I mean, I do understand where some people do get intimidated by, by authority, but um, I think you, you should, there's respect and then there's intimidation, which are kind mm-hmm. of, they're different. And I think like, I respect them, but I'm, I'm also not intimidated by it. Yeah. So. 
and I and I feel that that's the culture in the hierarchy. You know, like you have your manager, and that manager is terrified of like the VP or somebody up there. It's like, um, I guess I I just hate like corporate culture um, in general because there's always like the the CEOs and the VPs. I feel like every decision they make, it, it's really just to conserve their jobs and look good for their boss in a sense. Um, but you know. To also to add to what you just said, um, I feel when I was younger, earlier on, I was pretty bad at um, interviews where I did take it as this big deal. And I, and I think that, you know, if, if I had a takeaway where I can, you know, give that advice back to my younger self or someone who's just graduating, one of the things would be to just not care at all. Um, Especially now, like I said, I feel like there's so many jobs that laid off people that now they're like scurrying to either add employees or they want to go into like an expansion cycle and where jobs are now kind of like begging people to um, start working for them again. Um, so, you know, even even if they're not, I think, you know, always going in with that scarcity mindset and like knowing your value. Um, along with that too, is like, if you just Google the, like the stereotypical, you know, interview questions and basically make a little script for yourself and just having that in the back of your mind ready, um, that in itself has been a huge thing. I mean, I know that's what I do for like sales calls or my scripts or anything. So why not have it for, for interviewing where, I think now, um, assuming it's like a good fit for the job, I've, I've gotten pretty good at, at it, you know, just from, from failing so many times. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and, you know, in the end, you do need to be like a, a good fit. Like for me to go and interview for um, a barista, right? I'd be like, oh, I don't know. I've never done that before. I don't know. Like, but right, you know, like I've never done that before. I can't, there's nothing I can tell you that, I can tell you that I can figure it out. I can guarantee you that, right? That's that's the one thing and and to anybody, but at the same time, mm-hmm. it, it's most companies are looking for somebody who can hit the ground running and uh, I can learn fast, but the only way I can do that, like I can, maybe I can work for cheap or for work, work for a week. Just let me show you what I can do. And yeah, there's a lot of ways to, to do that, but to get a position. Because one, one of the things too, like, um, I know, I know for some people like negotiating salary, you know, they're like, oh, you know, I don't want to give them a number, but blah, blah, blah. You know, usually it's like I do this funny one where I'll, I'll like ask what I want. You know, I'm like, well, you know, I, I wanted I was looking for a little more, but I'll take, um, you know, within this and this. Because I'm sure that when I start, you're going to see my value. And um, within a first couple of weeks, you know, I'm sure there's going to be reviews where um, I'm going to earn my, my salary and a lot more. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, well, you know, I'll take this, this thing that I want. But, you know, I guarantee you that, you know, I'm going to, you know, be a, a value to your company. Um, yeah. But um, anyway, so... I was working on my design. I don't, did you have time to work on yours? I, I I did. I did work on it a little bit. I'm actually, I want to sit down and work on it right after this call. So what 
I've just started working on the, the individual components and kind of doing starting with high level design of individual components. I've been Honestly, it's it, like I, I hate saying it because it sounds just like making excuses, but I have been <laughs> like, I've just been super busy, but I, I have made some progress, not nearly as much as I would have liked to make, but yeah, I have. So, um, yeah, plugging along and, and, uh, so yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> so I, I'm thinking about it, right. I, I overthought it to the point where I realized it might be kind of useless to do, um, so, I mean, my phone's like updating, but I sent you those couple screenshots, right? It was like a, it kind of got the job done. You know, it was like a little, like a little slider thing, you know, with the, with the, it would have like a squeegee here and a little, two little tires. So as it's rolling, it's dispensing fluid all along. Right. And then I was thinking like, well, I was, I, I, I would kept reading, um, disrupting you. And um, I was thinking about it. Well, you know, what other parts of the value chain can I disrupt the supply chain in, in this matter? I'm like, well, what if the container itself already had a built-in squeegee and the two little tires in the tube? So it's almost just like a strip that you take off and then you, you it's like a plastic injected container with the squeegee pre-built in it. And then you can use it to glide across the... Um, you know, each individual gym bench and they could just be like a cheap little magnet. You pull it off and you just do it. Right. And I'm like, Oh, you know, that's genius. But then I started thinking about it and I'm like, what's stopping them from just go buying the little spray bottle with the squeegee attachment to it and just attaching one themselves. They just literally don't, don't do it. So then I, I kind of circle circular logic myself into thinking that this is pretty useless, you know, ends up being like not not so much of a um disruptive idea yeah yes yeah (laughs) but that that was i mean that was a good catch because i could have done it i mean worst case i spent a couple hours on the design and whatnot um but yeah that that's the the update on mine did you have any other ideas for the week i did so and this is something Again, like like many of my ideas, I don't actually even take time to sit down and look it up, research anything. But I, so I, I know that this exists at some level, but I don't think it does to the level that I am, you know, thinking of. So I was fishing um, well, last weekend. I was in Colorado, and then the weekend oh, so before that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's where I went. So I had to, I went and visited my visited my brother in Colorado. I haven't seen him in probably three years or something. So oh. I had to go see him and show him the my wife and he has never he never met my wife and or the baby of course the baby because the baby's only two and a half months now so um yeah so we we flew down there wednesday late wednesday night we came back saturday night so we're just for a few days Mm -hmm. that was really nice um the weekend before that though i was fishing out on the columbia river which is right near where i live and it's the river that splits Washington and Oregon for much of the length of the the state. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there were three of us on this boat about a 16 foot boat. And every time a boat would drive by the waves would rock the boat. Right. And you just, you're sitting there and it's like this boat's maybe six feet wide at the beam. And, and you start a wave hits you and you're just rocking back and forth. Well, there was this, this one person was in the front of the boat. He was right, right up in the bow and he was, he would stand up on this platform and like, it, cause they had kind of a platform up on the bow. 
And anytime a wave would hit, he would stand up and he would like, as the wave came in from one side, he would push his pressure down on that side to kind of level out the boat. And then he kept like countering the waves. And it went from like waves hitting us like this to nothing. Like I would barely move. Like counter gyroscope. It was just completely counteracted the waves. And just from the weight of one person, one person doing this on a, like a 16, you know, I think this would work on a a smaller boat. It it completely counteracted the effect of the waves. And it was amazing. Like it made it so much more comfortable. Of course for him, he was just, he was just having fun. He got a a bit of exercise out of it. (laughs) The wave would come by, get up and you'd, you know, some of these waves were huge. Some of these waves were, well, huge compared to a little 16 foot boat. Mm-hmm. maybe a three foot tall wave it, from the the yachts that would drive by and yeah and he was able to counteract that by probably up up to 80 percent i would say something you know so it was like it was significant so if you could have something that could counteract the effect of waves yeah. that would fit on a smaller boat mm-hmm. so it does they do have it for large boats now, like a boat that goes out in the ocean, they do have it. And I don't know to, um, you know, at some point you get a big ship or a cruise ship or something. They just, they're just big enough. They don't need it. But then you get down to like a, I don't know, maybe a 40 foot long boat out in the ocean. I think like a bobber just bobbing around out there, but it, they have counteracting like kind of systems, but I think those need to be built in like from what little I've seen, this would be worth kind of looking into, but um so those are those are like big built in and you know pretty it's not something that you're just going to go to the boat store and buy one and mount it into your own boat (laughs) um so now i think what if what if you could have a small one that you could mount in a in your own 16 foot boat Mm -hmm. that's what i was thinking you know for for that to work would it have to be centralized on the center of gravity on the boat or would it have to be one on each edge to kind of counteract? I'm not sure how, how the buoyancy would work on that, you know? So, but, oh, yeah. I was just thinking, you know, if it's some kind of like a, like cylinder where it has like a, um, maybe like a pendulum type of thing and it's just shifting the momentum opposite of the wave force. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something like that or a uh, used gyroscopic force because the problem with using something big uh-huh. big and heavy as in like the passengers on the boat he was like putting all of his weight now that's that's 180 pounds of of extra weight like say a 16 foot boat has a weight limit this boat had a 860 pound maybe weight limit or something so add up people and gear well if you add a 200 pound device that cuts down one passenger so Mm -hmm. um what you want to do is try to minimize that weight so a gyroscopic force is um you know if you take a bike tire and you spin it and get it spinning really fast and kind of hold on to the axle and try to try to oppose that motion Mm -hmm. you you use that force so that tire it doesn't need to weigh 200 pounds you you just get that motion and you're using the acceleration to Uh to create your opposing force that makes sense That'd be, that'd be, I mean, that'd be interesting looking into that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, that, that would be probably like a quick little prototype that you could put together. Yeah, and that would be something like, even if you could cut back on 
40% of the, the effect of the waves, right? It's going to make it a lot more comfortable, especially for the, the people who are like guided fishing or charter, you know, some kind of people who aren't used to being on the water and they're going on, on a boat. They yeah. wanted to be as comfortable as they can. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, like a, a, a fisherman who goes out all the time, he doesn't care. But of course, it would be nice to have it a little bit less wavy, but whatever. Yeah. And then, so still, I think the problem that you're going to have is making this thing universal is how to securely attach it to a boat. Because if you have a thin walled boat, like a lot of boats, the, the material is pretty thin. So if you bolted through that, mm. you don't want to rip those bolts out. Right? So, it, I mean, there's some design to be done, but that's, it could be done and then it may not be something that could be done at home it might be something that needs to be installed by a, a specialist of some kind yeah but as long as it can be attached to almost any boat is that's okay well so that you know. yeah well i mean i was even just thinking like proof of concept on the same little platform that um the guy was standing on mm-hmm. just like literally just putting it on there and clamping it to it, you know, and just seeing what that does. It would be interesting to see. Yeah. So, and what you would do is you, you would just have to have like a, um, you know, get a little programmed board. You could even, you could run it off of an Arduino or something, or, um, you know, program this thing and give it some form of like, I don't know what you accelerometer or like, a, a um, I don't know what the, what the, um, instrument would be that measures like kind of like a plumb bob you know of sorts that that knows which way is vertical yeah and and it it just reacts according to that mm-hmm. so a couple of servo motors a little arduino and just like and some sensors predict yeah to interpret mm-hmm. or counteract the wave yeah and this this counteracts waves that come to the side of the boat and make you rock back and forth but not so much waves that would come to the front of the boat and make the whole boat like you know get this not this kind of motion it's only this the side to side yeah. motion, right like, but that's the the side to side is is the kind of annoying one yeah yeah gotcha i mean that'd be cool i don't know too much about the industry but i think that would be doable so i found a little thing i had made right oh yeah the little blue that was like this spiral type of thing and these little wheels Mm -hmm. so when you swiped it across the gym equipment it was meant to basically dispense the fluid and um you know squeegee across the top but um and then we discussed i think you mentioned potentially adding like a little side um you know scooper to also just run it over the the handlebar of the dumbbells and um you know the little brush would clean it and it could have like a dispensing wheel there too but um yeah i feel like that already exists at some like level yeah you know maybe it would be something as simple as like buy find a find a squeegee that would work for this application like just a quick handheld simple basic squeegee right you you go on alibaba and you buy a thousand of them for three cents each or whatever mm-hmm. and then a um and then you get a bottle the same thing just a generic bottle you put you put a, a label on it mm-hmm. wrap them with a label print on them and just make say that they are for this is what these are for really you just took the old and a spray bottle 
and you say you give them instructions say fill this thing with a disinfectant mm-hmm. and then you spray your bench and squeegee it off you didn't invent anything you just private you just labeled them you just bought a whole bunch of them put your own label on them so make them like disposable too so that they can't open the chamber so they have to like just throw them away and buy a new one each time yeah. <laughs> or you could just just make them super cheap i mean if you sell throw them up on some kind of on amazon or some kind of site and you sell them for 10 bucks each yeah who you know for 10 bucks each or five bucks each it, it's not like you sell the squeegee and spray bottle combo and yeah i can see they have some pretty nice ones um you know oh, yeah and those are already like 12 bucks that red one is like six bucks yeah but it would just need to be packaged in a way um you know, I mean, they even have these with the built-in towel already, like a felt towel. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I see what you mean. Okay, so it has like a spray bottle and built-in like towel squeegee. Everything's right, just mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. So, so, so if you took those, find and just buy a bunch of those, put a label on it that says like some kind of label that looks like gym equipment. Or is that what that's for? Is it made for gym equipment? No, or is it window generic? cleaners, toilet cleaners, glass cleaners. Okay. Um, get that and, and work with a um, just a, somebody who can cr- print out a label kind of like a, I'm just either printing directly on it or like a um, like what you'd see on any kind of a spray bottle they're just like um, soda bottle maybe 20 ounce soda bottle yeah kind of wrapper because see all I would all I would want I would want to flip it because um, let's say this is the squeegee and then this is the handle this is like a, if, especially if you're using it for the gym, this is a fracture point. But if I can make the, the bottle horizontal, I mean, uh, yeah, parallel with the squeegee. So you have the button here and you could just like um, squeeze it and then just run it through. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot more compact. I can have the tube um, basically just almost like that same hand sanitizer tube that I had before. See if I can find it real quick. Yeah, I just toss it down. But yeah, it's almost like it, it, we just went circular motion, but in circles. But it's like almost like if I had this with the squeegee attached to it, and you know, this could either be here or it could be here, and I just run it through. So I mean, if I could even contact this company here and figure out a way to have them attach a squeegee to their bottles and package private label this package as like a, um, so I can actually get the squeegee and do like a 3D, just a 3D print to wrap around this bottle as like a clip. It could just be a clip. You buy the two things separately and you just clip them together. Have the, have the spray bottle company make sure they label it with for you, which is easy. It's totally easy. Like that's what there's, there's thousands of companies out there doing specifically that. Yeah. I'm, oh yeah. Okay. So and you're saying just keep the spray bottle like that. So you spray it first and then you flip it and then squeegee it off. Well, yeah. I mean, you don't even, yeah. it'll be like a system in itself. You know, you just, cause that way it's a very modular, like the squeegee will literally just, um, you know, like have clips, Yeah. you know, Cause I mean, I don't even want to deal with doing any slots or any modifications, you know, no. that we have the molds. Yeah. Literally I would put like a nice low profile, some kind of silver aluminum cap mm-hmm. here and then just clip on the squeegee. If I want to start getting, you know, 
but yeah, I mean, I could just literally press the side and then just squeegee it off and then go market it to all the gyms in that form yeah. without having to do any design or anything. I mean, I'm like a thousand percent sure that I could probably private label this online somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally, totally think you could. It's not like a billion dollar, million dollar idea, but I mean, that in itself... Yeah, I mean, I I'm, I could see that working. Yeah, and pretty um, for the effort going into it, it's not that much. They right? well, there's of course there, there is a lot overall, but like with any product, but to to get it made, it's already designed for you. <laughs> kind of a lot of yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I could see myself going into every gym and just be like, hey, look, we came up with these. You yeah. can have an attached magnet that pops onto your machine. Yeah. I'm going to mess with this idea. I was about to drop it, but you got a good point. I'm going um, to make it more simple and, and cheap. Like, because yeah. that thing right there, right, how, how much does that bottle right there cost? Like, like a couple bucks. Pounds. Yeah. So, like, to, you could it, it, see that that's the thing is if you it's sell them bucks. in a package, sell them in a crate, like, you, you sell a box of, a hundred of these things to a gym or 500 of them or something mm-hmm. you sell them in quantities like that cool. that's how you move product you yeah. you move them in big boxes don't just sell one at a time you could of course you could sell them one at a time online or something but sell big boxes of them then fulfilled, fulfilled by amazon will yeah up. i'm just curious on the patenting of it you know because it's not real no one's really using it for this and no one's really thought about it i mean i could literally just clip that thing on you know mm-hmm. i might have to spend some money on tooling um i do think you should do the magnet thing too right? yeah and stick on a i mean it's like a glue magnet you know and then i'll provide my own cleaner i can probably you know private label that too mm-hmm. we will see i'm gonna do some more research on this but we have a good that was a pretty good plan. Um, the other, the other one that I thought of, I'm not sure. Um, I guess I was about to drop this one, but my idea, this one's not not very um, technical, but it is. Um, so I have like a big uh, NLP background, and I'm like, um, you know, I've done like coaching and stuff like that, uh, more for for like uh, relationships or or like just personal mindset type of thing. So what I was going to do is I was going to compile this book and call it maybe integration, which is really about integrating your life. Um, But it's not really going to be a book book. So you know how I shared like the way I I set up my planner and everything, Um, you know, so I was going to take some of the tech techniques from like uh, that, that getting things done GDT system and like the way I set up my plan some of the NLP like smart goal settings and basically it would be like a a planner that you're purchasing with every day is usable pages but in between it's going to be exercises that you're doing and then there's going to be like daily exercises in order to achieve this ultimate goal of integrating your entire life um so like my logic for example like you know i'm huge into fitness which which there's like four categories right health wealth 
uh, relationships and family, personal development and spirituality. Um, so the way I see it, you know, it's like, you know, if my if my woman is into fitness, that integrates with my life. And if my woman also helps me with my business and is into fitness, then that makes my life a hundred or at least 10, three times easier because now I'm killing those three birds with one stone. So the whole, the whole logic of that is as you're going through it, not only is it serving as a daily planner um, and you can completely ignore the, the self-help stuff. Or you can go along with it and it's going to basically have daily exercises and, you know, help you refine your goals. Like, well, what do you want out of our relationships? What do you want out of your, your, um, your health, your wealth, you know? So it helps you, you know, just have a solid picture and develop this like ideal integrated life. Um, and it's almost just like a breakdown of it too, you know, maybe like a three month, thing you know i don't know how long these little planners last for some of them make, might be a year some of them yeah. might be you know whatever but i'm thinking like 200 to two maybe 200 pages mm -hmm. of of a book mixed so it's going to be a very short book mixed in with uh, a lot of like exercise pages and like you have to do your weekly goals and your monthly goals and your like yearly goal so just basically everything that you should be doing, it forces you to remind yourself, but it also, you know, tries to get you, uh, guide you into having a more complete life, um, mm -hmm. which is, you know, what, I, what I've seen costs a lot of, of mis-stress within people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always, I'm always working on that, trying to improve there's always improvement there's always like developing like okay how do i integrate properly because life is a, just about integration there's not like a necessarily a balance it's just an integration of different parts of your life and how do they all go together mm -hmm. and it just i do i do think there's 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 definitely a lot of people in that space um but at the same time, there's a lot of demand and a lot of need for it even. So um, I think I think a big part of that type of thing is convincing people or telling people and explaining to them why why they should do that. Why do they need your system mm -hmm. or your your planner? How would it help them? What are the show them show them the results, which you can do. That's just sales or yeah yeah and explaining yeah because i'm i'm thinking yeah obviously it's gonna have to have its own um marketing campaign uh behind it but i figured my logic for it it's a quick service digital service that i can offer mixed in with a product so what i was thinking um i can have it virtually you know for I don't know, 15 bucks or something, whatever, or 20 bucks, something simple, whatever audio yeah. or PDF books cost online um, or even five bucks. I don't care, you know, and then have like a free downloadable version of it and then have like a, you know, if you want the digital version of it, it could be like 10 bucks, five, 10 bucks or something. But then if you want like the, the real version of it, I would, I would want to print it out and like, you know, this kind of, paper so it looks like a planner and 
really, you know, you go out and you can pay like 30, 40 bucks for a moleskin planner with like nothing in there. Mm-hmm. Or you can go literally buy it for strictly the planner for that same price on a, you know, like you could do published on Amazon type of thing. So that, that's my logic. It's like, if you get absolutely nothing out of it, it's just a great planner that um, encapsulates a lot of things that I feel are missing from just pa- printed paper yeah. planners. Yeah. Well, that, that kind of a thing is, it's something that even if you were, whether you decide to work on that and be make that like a focus to, to creating this thing or, or you set one day, let's say one day a week, you work on that, you spend a couple hours a week or something and, and this is something you could develop over time or, oh. and it's something you're developing already throughout your life because you're, you are doing this every day. So you just need to put that into something and create a, create a product out of it. So, yeah. So, so I guess that the thing, you know, I've been kind of brainstorming this other book called charm that was the original intent for this, but I thought about it. I'm like, those could be two separate projects. So right now I have about an 11,000 um, word document that's already done. <laughs> so I just have to like edit it and, and, and dump it out and feel good about it. Um, so that's kind of why I had that idea. I was like, I've been procrastinating on this where it's like I could dump this out really quick, like within a couple of weeks mm-hmm. um, and then just uh get it put out and then run some ads and have that as like a side thing that I don't really have to be, you know, constantly feeding. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah I, I, I think if you have a, a good idea for a book or something like that, like you said, you've already written it. So do it. I think it's, it's an excellent source of, for one income, but also it's just the satisfaction. Like, I think it would be very just, it would feel good. It's just awesome mm-hmm. to have a product and you know that people are buying this book and <laughs> it's just like, uh, yeah. so it's something that, and also, you know, work on it to try to get it to be, get it to be as good as you can. And you can, you know, work, work with um, various like editors and such, but mm-hmm. then you could revise it or yeah. change the name of it into a different, like, okay, I've revised so much that it's actually a different book now. So I changed the name of it and put it out again. The Twilight series. Yeah. <laughs> Tweak a little bit and then put it out again. <laughs> Keep Star Wars. Yeah. 35. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I, I Since I have most of it done, I might just pump it out real quick. And um, yeah, maybe, maybe send out some copies. Because I was thinking like, Worst case, it's like, it's something that I literally need. Like, I wish this existed in print for me. <laughs> yeah, so I would, do it for yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. If I could publish it and post it on Amazon, like, I would be my own buyer. <laughs> Especially now with um, with published by Amazon. Yeah. You can, it, it, you don't need the investment now is, is so much smaller, like, I don't really know so much about the the publishing industry, but I w- I just imagine that books in the past have been super expensive to bring to market just MOQ. because the investment, yeah, MOQs are just really you have to order your minimum order quantities just has to be high in order for it to even make sense. But 
but if Amazon's printing based on demand, it, your cost comes way down. And yeah, yeah. so that would be pretty cool. It'd be cool to to be able to go on Amazon and buy your own thing, or just you know, just to say, you know, I, I'm going, I'm actually going to buy it. You know, just go through the whole process of buying one just because <laughs> you can, and just to say that like you bought your own book like that. Ship cool. it to all your family and just like a, a picture of you flipping them off or something. Like I'm successful now, <laughs> even though it's just like self printed. <laughs> I'm a best. Like I have a friend who he has a book that he he did. He actually, he has two books now that he's printed on just doing just that, published by Amazon. Mm-hmm. And yeah, maybe he didn't do any marketing. Maybe didn't sell very many. Sells a couple of them every once in a while. But it's just the the satisfaction of knowing yeah. that he has a published book for sale. He went through that whole process, and yeah. that's kind of what it is for me too. Um, I also went into this thing called like, um, I forgot what the name of it. It was something self-publishing, best-selling author or something, something where they were basically, you know, it was like a seminar where they were going to teach you how to make your book like a bestseller. So what they were saying, it's like you post it and then you do like a press release a couple of days before, and then you start running ads and then you like, sell it for like a dollar to a bunch of people and try to get as many reviews as you can. So I'm going to have to like sit down and study that once I actually, um, you know, publish it and just, you know, just see what happens and go from there. Yeah. Yeah. So um, another, now I'm veering off onto another topic. (laughs) Uh, So um, Monday I'm doing a conference for, it's called, a machine shop ownership change conference. Oh, so this I'm kind of excited for that. So basically, what I've been trying to look for for a while is I'm, I've been trying to buy a machine, or I want to buy a machine shop or mm-hmm. something, and could have start probably starting with a smaller one so that I can kind of get. I don't want to go into a you know one and a half million dollar shop and <laughs> yeah, this is my first time ever managing a shop. Let's just do this thing and I and. I'm confident that I could figure it out, but also that'd be a lot of, that'd be a steep learning curve. So yeah, I'm doing, doing the conference. They're actually teaching. They're more for the sellers. They're teaching people how to scale their business mm-hmm. and how to scale and improve their machine shop. And so that it's ready to sell. So I'm thinking like, I want to learn how to do that before I even buy one. Yeah. And it's also kind of for buyers, but it's mostly for sellers. So they can learn how to buy one. I can learn what it takes to scale it and to make a company more valuable because they're saying two to three times the value in three years or in three years or something like that. So like, okay, cool. Yeah, I want to I want to learn how to do this. Yeah, because see, that that's what I'm trying to do for the machine shop that I partnered. So I'd be curious. Um, maybe we can make next week's call about what you learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can do that. So it's actually, so and the they'll have some materials for me, some homework and that kind of stuff. So it's just a four hour. It's not, it's not super long, but these people are some pretty high level um, guys in there. One of them runs a, the, actually the, the host of the, the whole thing. He runs a software for machine shops. So it's like an ERP system. So for enterprise resource planning mm-hmm. and uh, something like that. I think that's what it's meant for. <laughs> yeah, the inventory type of stuff basically yeah it keeps track of inventory but it's, it's, it's 
specifically made for machine shops and he has actually built it and then sold a, a 75 person shop. And then there's, there's a bunch of other guys in similar type of roles and, and titles of mm-hmm. machine shop owners and such stuff. So excited to learn more about that. And just to like, what I've been doing for a long time is gathering information because there's so much information and, you know, definitely at some point you need to execute, but yeah um, there's there are things that need to happen before that just in life in general but um yeah so i'm excited to keep learning it you know if i can't execute just yet for whatever reason if there's some obstacles in the way i'm going to work on those obstacles but also at the same time i'm going to continue to learn so now i i completely agree because like right now for example um you know i've been having issues growing the business for the machining partners so the overall the the aerospace industry that i was focusing on like fixturing and all of that um in general the arrow is slow so a lot of these projects are like well you know we're on hold we're waiting for our customers um so I was just thinking, you know, when you're saying that, I try to put myself in the mindset of like, what if I was the owner of this shop that I'm partnered with? You know, what would I be doing in this situation? And, you know, my first thought is, well, I went through and I looked at all of the competitors and saw what their customers were, what they were focusing on, what industries Um But other than that, you know, probably pivoting to another industry. Um, another way I was thinking was coming up with the product that you can manufacture in-house, but then it's like, well, what's the product that's going to take off? I guess, what would be your take on, on, on it, you know, before you've taken this, this meeting? So my, what I'm looking for, they, like I, in my mind right now, the ideal thing that I'm looking for in a shop is I want to find something small that's maybe it has a few jobs already. It's already producing something. Maybe it only has one or two customers, mm-hmm. but it's, it's pulling in 20 grand a year or something like that. Right. So it's weekend after work and weekend type work. Yeah. It's something that I can, and that way, what I can do, I, I have experience with machining. I'm maybe seven years of experience in machining or something like that. So um, I would want to learn, but, but I not so much, not owning a shop and not, completely actually like I kind of like I was a supervisor but yeah you only learn so much in that role so I want to get a small shop and then bring in my own product product so create a project and then bring it into the product into the shop and integrate that into the currently existing work that's already doing Mm -hmm. and then build that up and that way I can go through the process of building a shop up and plan on like really focus on scaling the business up to up to a full-time job up to a hundred grand a year from 20 grand you know go up to a hundred grand the next year and up to like just go like just really work on building it up but Mm -hmm. start with like start with a smaller shop that's really been that's what i'm what i'm looking for and it it does limit how what shops i can that are even within my my reach Mm -hmm. or that fit within that scope because a lot of shops that I see, they're selling for around, you know, it's 500 to a million dollars, maybe, you know, a million plus, of course, there's plenty over a million plus, but there's a lot of shops kind of in that range. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, largely because of the uh, 
the SSME, so the fixtures, the the just the equipment that that a shop takes to run can be a lot of money. Yeah. So, um, but if I can, you know, I've really been talking, I've actually found a few shops that I've been talking to, but it's kind of a slow process. It can be, you know, especially when you, I'm talking to people who have never advertised their shop for sale. It's not actually for sale, but I'm mm-hmm. trying to convince them that it is. <laughs> so. yeah, see, for those, you know, a lot of these old people want to retire and that's mm-hmm. most of the ones for sale. Like I know for like, I mean, the, the guy that I'm partnered with at one point, he kind of proposed like, hey, you know, let me retire and you take over and just send me like X amount of money each month so I can travel. And basically, he's basically kind of like handing it over. Um, so I'm sure, you know, if you develop the relationship with one of these guys, you know, you know, do that grandson kind of sales pitch relationship take that role you know where maybe he sees you as like his grandson that never um took over the shop you know <laughs> and actually you know that's that's so true because there are i've got i've got a couple of guys like that and uh, we know and, and i'm i'm working my way into that <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly that that is exactly what it takes and especially with with some of these guys they've worked in their business for years and they don't, they're not like, they, they're ready to retire, but they're not ready to let their business go. Yeah. And their children don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them, that's exactly it. it a lot of them, their kids, they don't want to take over. So they're like, well, what do I do? I, I don't want to let my baby go, mm-hmm. but what do I do? So that's, there, there's actually, I mean, the, a huge portion of machine shops are actually owned by baby boomers. Yeah. So awesome. they're retiring the next, if you give, give it 10 years. And all of pretty much all of those guys are going to be retired. Mm-hmm. So those shops got to go somewhere. A lot of them, unfortunately, do get liquidated. So I want to be in a position where I can <laughs> those up. <laughs> I was going to say, I would want to be in a position where I can just eat them and, mm-hmm. you know, just take on the machinery, take on the, the, the jobs and just consolidate mm-hmm. as areas of roll it all up. Either roll it, either do a roll up and roll them into one, or keep them as separate. Maybe there's one here. Maybe I, maybe you have one in a different state. You have different yeah, places, but but you're buying you're buying machines, you're buying customers, and it's not completely selfish though. It's it's keeping manufacturing in the U.S. and keeping yeah. manufacturing alive. So yeah, partially, maybe it is a little you know you're greedy, but it's not. It's really not because I mean it's. You're, you're buying, picking up your well you're buying these businesses to grow them mm-hmm. to help these people to create more jobs for people yeah it, and then they're a big conglomerate will come and like once you start being enough of a competition and then buy you out and then their lives going to be miserable because <laughs> bank owned companies are horrible to work for yeah yeah that, yeah that's what, I, that's what i'm looking at start start with one it's going to be a nice few years for the employees till the bank buys you out. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, that's kind of all I had for today. Do you have anything else? No. Nope. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to, that was kind of a random point bringing up that machine shop after from books. There was no segue. I jumped right into it. I, don't know, <laughs> no, but that, that was, that was I wanted to bring it up because I was like, oh, it just popped into my mind. This is what way, I've been I, thinking about. I wanted to throw this out there too. We won podcast of the week 
for Bcast. Um, I'm not sure what that means, but we won it. <laughs> so anyway, thanks for listening, guys. And check out designkitchen.org and uh, have a great rest of your day and week. <laughs>